Gracious God, you are the Lord of the universe and the Lord of our lives. And as we come to you today, we come with our nation on our hearts, or all the nations of the United Kingdom. We pray, Father God, for a restoration of what was lost uh, from this cyber attack, and that you'd protect the NHS and our government systems from further cyber attacks. We pray, Father God, that this would cause people to wake up and get alert to the dangers that are out there. We pray, Father God, as well for our nation with regard to Brexit. Lord God, we know that most separations like this, like the separation of uh, the United Kingdom from the European Union, uh, are rather acrimonious. And we have seen how uh, different people involved in these kinds of scenarios have dealt with other nations, such as Greece, uh, in recent years. And so, Father God, we pray that you would superintend this Brexit process, that you'd give our leaders great wisdom in knowing what to do, that uh, you would smooth the waters between the, the UK and the EU, and that this separation might go more smoothly than anticipated. But regardless, Father, I pray that you would protect our nation. We also pray, Lord God, for our elections that are coming up uh, on June the 8th. We pray, Father, that just as you raise up rulers and you bring down rulers, that you would establish your person for this time. No matter what political party they're from, uh, no matter what persuasion they seem to have, no matter what gender they are, Father God, we pray that you would raise up your person and your people for such a time as this, so that this nation might become stronger and so the peoples of this nation might be protected. And Father God, we continue to cry out to you for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit in this nation. I pray, Father God, that it would come no later than this autumn and that it would not delay, that there'd be nothing that the enemy could do to delay this next great outpouring of your Holy Spirit so that your church is revived and so that awakening comes to people who do not know you or who refuse to know you. Lord God, pour out your spirit so that all might come to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Move in our nations, Lord God. And we pray that for ourselves, Lord God, here at City Temple. Pour out your spirit upon us. We want to be your people fully and freely as you desire us to be. We want to see the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us, not only to conform us into the character of Jesus, but to also empower us to do the works of Jesus, to continue Christ's ministry here in this city and through across London and perhaps even across the world. And Lord, we cannot do that without a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we, we resolve to obey you. We resolve to follow Jesus. We resolve to pray. We will study the Bible. We will serve you faithfully no matter what happens. But we do pray for this outpouring of your Holy Spirit into our lives, into our church, that this place might be full again with new followers of Jesus that we can send out all across London to plant churches, to raise up new ministries, to heal the sick, to see justice done in this great city called London. And we thank you and praise you for all of this. Now, Father, as we go to your word, I pray that you'd open it up to us, 
that you'd bless this study here that we begin in Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. And I pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would rest upon me, that I might do, and that I might bring your word to your people this day, boldly and faithfully, to the glory and praise of Jesus. We thank you, and we praise you, and we worship you, and we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll begin in Philippians chapter 1 with verse 1 and read down to verse 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory of God and praise of God. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Quite a number of years ago, uh, I remember one of my favorite singers was a guy named Harry Chapin. And uh, you may never have heard of Harry Chapin. He's long since uh, died. I understand that he became a Christian uh, before he died, and he uh, wrote a lot of the uh, music uh, and lyrics for a musical called The Cotton Patch Gospel, uh, which is a a rendering, a retelling of the gospel as if it occurred in Georgia in the United States. Uh, Very interesting. If you're ever interested, you can pop over to the house sometime and we can sit down and watch it together. But he was known, he was famous for a song called Cats in the Cradle. Uh, And the song Cats in the Cradle was a song being sung by a, a guy uh, about his child. And it it's, uh, tells the, the story of him and his relationship with his child. And uh, it starts about how when his child arrived just the other day, uh, and he was away on business, he couldn't quite be there for the child, uh, but he was really proud of the child. And then the child grows up a little bit, and he's missing birthdays. And the child says, uh, you know, I just, I want to be like you, Dad. I want to be like you. And he goes through, and he misses uh, a number of other important events in the child's life. And then he's a, he becomes an old man, and he retires. Uh, and he rings up his son, who's now an adult, with his own life and his own family and things. Uh, and uh, it says, son, I'd really like to see you. And he says, well, Dad, you know, I, I've got the, the kids got the cough. And, and, and I've got to do this other stuff for work. And, you know, but, but it's really been nice talking to you. Uh, and he, he hangs up and moves on. And then the, the father ends up at the end of the song saying, uh, suddenly then it occurred to me that my boy was just like me. 
He'd grown up just like me. Uh, and a very powerful song. And it's a reminder, it, 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 it strikes a chord in our hearts because the theme of the song is so real and so common. How many times have we heard stories of people who have gone a certain way for a long time and all of a sudden realize that everything that they did, everything that they thought was important wasn't quite as important? Brad Pitt's recently been in headlines because, uh, as you may know, he and uh, Angelina Jolie have gotten a divorce, and apparently it's because of his drinking uh, problem, and, uh, and now he's uh, reflecting on life as he lives in his home alone without all of his kids and the quiet, and realizes all the choices he's made, all the things he's destroyed, and strikingly, uh, at one point in time in his early childhood, his parents were a part of an evangelical and even charismatic church. And now he's looking back at his life and looking at the things that he's wasted. And, and it doesn't have to, you don't have to be a Brad Pitt for this to happen. Time after time, I've sat with people uh, who, who have questioned their life. They've questioned how they've lived. They've questioned what they've done. They've questioned the investment of their life. Uh, and, and they thought, I, I thought these things were really important. I, I thought that it was really important uh, that I make money, that I do my job, that this, that, and the other thing. And they list thing after thing after thing that they thought was important. And now toward the end of the life, they realize it wasn't important at all. And so it really begs the question of us, what really matters? And is it possible for us to know what really matters. Because even Christians, and I've witnessed this time after time, even Christians end up investing their lives in things that in the end don't really matter. They make choices that end up derailing them, taking them the wrong direction. Choices that seemed at the time that it really satisfied a desire of their heart. Maybe a, a choice to pursue a man and go after him and okay so he's not a believer but I want to go after this guy and I want to get married to him and you marry him and all of a sudden you learn that he's an abuser you know choices to go after a possession and uh, you know I really like this car I really need this car and, and, and so it, it, it's okay for me to take out a big loan for this car and then five ten years later as they're trying to repay the loan or repay their bankruptcy and think you know really maybe that didn't really matter is it possible to know? Is it possible to choose? Is it possible to discern what really matters? And it's a fundamental question for us because what people in the world will tell you really matters is not what really matters. What many people even in the church tells you really matters is not what really matters. So is it possible for us to know? And I think Paul would obviously answer that question with a resounding yes. It is possible for us to know what really matters. It is possible for us to live a life that really counts. It is possible for us to bear fruit with our lives. It is possible for our lives to be lived to the glory of God in Jesus Christ. It is definitely possible. The question is, will we make the investment? Will we make the choices? Will we orient our lives so that we will know what really matters? And... If so, how do we do that? 
Well, Paul at first gives us a foundation, and the foundation that Paul gives us is in the opening verses of this passage. Now notice he's, he's addressing the, the, the whole book to the saints who are in Philippi. Now notice he doesn't say the church in Philippi. The reason is, he, he talked about the church in Corinth, but the saints in Philippi. The reason is, by the time that Paul is writing to the Philippians, there are a lot of different churches. And these churches are being led by groups of elders, and they're being also served by groups of deacons. And so he addresses it to the saints in Philippi, so it's for the whole city. He's talking to the whole city here, and that's just a side note, uh, just for us to note uh, some of the ways that Paul does this differently. Then he goes on, he says, you know, I I thank God for you guys, because I'm remembering you with joy. And he remembers them with joy for three things. And these three things really are the foundation of being able to live a life that chooses what really matters. The first thing he says, I thank my God for your partnership with me in the gospel. Now this word partnership, it's the Greek word koinonia, the word from which we also get fellowship. Uh, And it basically means, Paul's saying, I thank God with joy that we are linked together in the good news about Jesus. He's saying, you've heard the good news about Jesus, you've responded to the good news about Jesus, and we are linked together with the good news about Jesus Christ. And that sharing that we have together, that partnership that we have together, is a partnership that we share even now with the Apostle Paul, and it's a partnership that we share with one another. If you want to live a life that really matters, if you want to know what really matters, then it's fundamental that you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, that you respond to the good news of Jesus, that he died on the cross for you and rose again from the dead. Because that is the beginning of the pathway for being able to discern what really matters. And then he says the second thing here. He says, and I am confident that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. A lot of times I talk to Christians who are awfully worried about, oh, you know, is is God going to strike me down? What is he going to do? Am I really going to be able to serve him? Uh, Can I really continue to pray? Can I continue to follow Jesus? What happens in this situation? What what happens if I have to suffer? What happens if things get difficult? I'm not totally sure. And to that, Paul says, you need to have the confidence That the Jesus who came to you, the Jesus who saved you, the Jesus who who converted you in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Jesus who filled you with this Holy Spirit, the Jesus that started you out on the journey of salvation is also the Jesus who is faithful to complete the work he's done in you. We need to understand that God is faithful to us and that God is walking with us and that God never leaves us nor forsakes us. The scripture is very clear on this. And you cannot discern what really matters if you spend a lot of time worrying about what God thinks of you. God loves you. And God's working in you. And God will continue to work in you for your entire life if you allow him. Jesus began a good work and he's going to complete it. So have that confidence. Have the same confidence as Paul. And by the way, I have Paul's confidence for you guys. 
I know that the Jesus who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Just let him do it. So often what happens is we start to resist. We start to go the other way. You know, we'll we'll follow him as long as things are good and as long as it's comfortable. But as soon as it stops being comfortable, as soon as he starts to speak into our lives, either directly or through some uh, some other voice, some other person, we start to resist it and we don't like what he's saying and we don't like what he's doing and we resist that good work. But we need to cooperate and let him do it because he will. And then Paul said that there was a third thing that he was giving thanks to because they were also partakers with him in grace. And this is absolutely essential. If we are to be able to discern what really matters, not only do we have to follow Jesus, surrender our lives to Jesus, Not only do we have to have the confidence that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it, but we also need to know that God's grace is on our lives. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. And even the faith is a gift of God, so no one can boast. The grace is with us. Grace is with you when you make a mistake. Grace is with you when you stumble. Grace is with you when you fall down a bit. God's grace is on your life. And that's God's undeserved favor. His grace doesn't depend on how much you pray, doesn't depend on how much you've memorized the Bible, doesn't depend on how much you come to church, doesn't depend uh, on how much money you give. God's grace is with you regardless. And so we need to celebrate the fact, rejoice in the idea that God's grace is upon us. But note what Paul said, God's grace is, in his imprisonment, as well as his sharing of the gospel. God's grace does not mean that our lives are easy. There's so many Christians that I talk to that that have this expectation, now that I'm following Jesus, everything's going to work out. All my relationships will work. I'll always be healthy. I'll always have a lot of money. I'll always have a job. I'll always have this going for me. I'll have the, uh, the things that I want in life. And that's not the promise. Sometimes the grace of God leads us to suffering, pain, imprisonment, and difficulty. That's actually promised by the scriptures. And sometimes the grace of God leads us to be making a very strong and forceful stand with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to understand that God's grace is upon us no matter what our circumstances are at any given moment. And if you're not following Jesus, if you're not confident that he who began a good work in you will complete it, and if you're not uh, rejoicing in the grace of God over your life, it will be almost impossible for you to discern what really matters. So that is the foundation. You got a visitor, Karen? That is the foundation for discerning what really matters. So then how do we do it? If we've got that foundation, if you don't have that foundation, you need to get it now. You need to turn to the Lord right now and say, Lord, I want that. I want that in my life. Because without it, you'll never discern what really matters. But then once you have it, how do you discern what really matters? Paul goes on to say, verse 9, and it is, uh, uh, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. 
When you're working from this foundation, now without the foundation, what I'm about to say doesn't make sense. Absolutely essential to remember this. So when you're working with this foundation, then the key to discerning what really matters is for your love to abound more and more in knowledge and discernment. Your love needs to abound more and more in knowledge and discernment. Now, what is love? Love is a zealous, self-giving commitment to others for their benefit. That's, that's the love that Paul is talking about. A zealous, self-giving commitment to others for their benefit. And here's a big problem. So many people that I talk to, they want to find out what really matters by focusing on themselves. If I only knew myself better, then I can know what really matters. If I only felt better, you know, if only I was healed from all the damage that my parents did, then I could find out what really matters. Oh, if only I had enough money and the right kind of job, then I'll find out what really matters. Oh, if only I have the right soulmate relationship, then I'll find out what really matters. Oh, if only I have the right job or the right education or the right experience. And you can put anything in there that you want to put in there. Then I'll know what really matters. Then I'll be able to discern what really matters. And Paul says that that is never the pathway to discern what really matters. If you want to discover what really matters, then what you must do is have your love abound more and more. That means more and more you focus on other people. More and more you focus on how I can serve another person, how I can give to another person out of the resources of my life, of how I can live so as to benefit another person, whether it's a person in the marketplace, whether it's a person in the church, whether it's a neighbor, the idea is that your self-giving commitment to other people for their benefit would increase more and more. And what you find out is that as you seek to give yourself more and more, God gives more and more to you that you can give. But you can't be focusing inward. You have to be focusing outward so that your love abounds more and more. But it has to abound more and more with two qualities. First is knowledge. Now, knowledge in the Bible, whenever you read that word knowledge, do not read information. It is never information. It is never facts. Knowledge, biblically, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, is always relational. In other words, you don't know something until you have a relationship with it. I can't possibly know my wife unless I have a relationship with her. If you gave me just a bunch of facts and figures about her, height, weight, age, uh, education, I don't know her. I got all the information. I can know every fact of her life, but if I don't know her, I don't, I don't actually have knowledge of her. And that's what Paul's talking about. That our love has to abound more and more with genuine knowledge, with genuine knowing, relational knowing, first and foremost of God in Jesus Christ. If you don't know who God is as he's revealed by the Bible, if you don't know who he really is in Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you cannot possibly love. Because what we will do is try to love in ways that God does not approve of. 
And so it's absolutely essential, first and foremost, that if we're going to love, that we get to know God. And if we're going to love, we need to get to know other people. We need to invest ourselves in knowing others, having a relationship with others. Now, that's not investing yourself in, in making others come to you. That's investing yourself in getting to know others. So your love has to abound more and more with knowing, knowing God and knowing other people. If you don't know God and you don't get to know other people, you won't love. It's impossible. The second thing here is this word discernment. That's the only place that Paul uses this word. It's the only place in the New Testament the word is used. And discernment here literally means common sense. It's practical wisdom for living. So Paul says we have, to, we have to have our love abound more and more through knowing, knowing God, knowing other people, and using common sense. We, know we need to think. We need to apply common sense. You know, if someone says, well, I, hey, I, I, you know me, you know that I need 10,000 pounds, and you only have 9,000 pounds in the bank, common sense says don't go out and borrow 1,000 pounds. 10,000 pounds to give to the person. It's actually contrary to the word of God as well. So we need to use our common sense. We need to use our life experience, but we use our life experience, we use our common sense to guide and focus the love that we have based on God, knowing God and knowing other people. Does that make sense? And that is founded then on the foundation of the fact that Jesus died for you, that Jesus is working in you, and that Jesus' grace is upon you. And based on that foundation, you can choose this kind of love. And this love has nothing to do with how you feel. Most mornings when I get up, I don't feel love for anybody, even my wife. I have to choose love. I have to choose love. It is a choice, and it is a choice that nobody can prevent you from making. Now, Paul says then, he's praying that our love would abound more and more with knowledge and insight. Why? What is the outcome when our knowledge, when our love abounds more and more with knowledge and depth of insight based on the foundation that Jesus died for us, Jesus is working in us, and Jesus' grace is on our lives? Here are the outcomes. And this is the first thing that Paul says, you know, so that, excuse me, so that, verse 10, you may approve what is excellent. Now that word excellent literally means what really matters. And that word approve means that you can test, you can try, you can know. It's a word that you might use for gold, to say, okay, is this genuine gold? I don't know, let me test it and find out if the gold is genuine. Is your faith genuine? I don't know, let me test it and find out if it's really genuine. So Paul says that as our knowledge, based on that foundation of Jesus, as our knowledge, as our love is abounding more and more in knowledge and common sense expressions, we will then be able to discern what is really important. In other words, if you don't have the foundation of Jesus and your love is not abounding more and more, it is impossible really for you to know and discern what really matters in your life. 
So in order to find out what really matters, the first thing you need to do is choose to love. And let that love keep growing and growing and growing. And then you'll find out what really matters. Then you'll find out what really matters. I was talking to uh, a guy uh, some time ago uh, who was talking about uh, caring for, he's, he's got a, a, a child, and talking about the child and talking about his own desires for what he'd like to do uh, in his life and the job that he'd like and things like that. But realizing that the important thing right now was that he take, take care of his, his, his child and that he was willing to lay aside his hopes and dreams for future employment in order to show love to his daughter at a key time in his life. Now, folks, that's what Paul's talking about. How did this guy know what really matters in this moment? He chose to love, and his love for his daughter was growing more and more and more in knowledge and wisdom, uh, discernment, uh, common sense, and he was discovering what really matters. That is the only way to know what really matters. That is the only way to know what really matters. But not only then is that the only outcome that happens. Not only will we be able to really test, discern, and know what really matters, what is really important, also we will be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. When we are loving that way, when we're focusing on others, God and others, on the foundation of Jesus with knowledge and wisdom, we actually begin to walk in a way that is holy. We begin to walk in a way that does not stumble. And that's that word blameless. means you're not going to trip yourself up. If you're loving in that way, you won't get tripped up. As you know what really matters, it won't trip you up. You'll keep walking. And then not only will you experience that, but you will also be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So as you are on that foundation of Jesus, with your love abounding more and more with knowledge and insight, you discern what really matters. You don't get tripped up. You live in your life. You don't have to worry about, oh, am I doing what is pleasing to God? You naturally do what is pleasing to God. And not only does that happen, but then also the outcome of your life. You're fruitful. The idea of righteousness here, by the way, is right relationship. So you're in right relationship with God. You're in right relationship with other people. And there's fruitfulness in your life that comes because you're in those right relationships and because Jesus Christ is working in you. Do you see how that flows? There's such a power to it. It flows out of that love that's coming out of our, our, our standing on Jesus Christ flowing into our discernment of what really matters, uh, which leads us not to stumble, but to live a life that's pleasing to God, which then keeps us in right relationship with Jesus, with other people, so that our lives bear fruit, because Jesus is working in us. And the sum total of all of this is that our lives then are lived to the glory of God in Jesus Christ. This is God's plan. And the great thing is, that it's all about Jesus working in us. You know, with all, none of these things is it about just you working harder. From start to finish, it's about Jesus. It's about his love for you, it's his death for you, his work in you, his grace on you, 
the love that he gives you to share with other people, the discernment that he gives for what really matters so that you live a life without stumbling that's pleasing to him and in relationship with him you produce fruit in your life that ends up bringing, bringing glory and praise to God. And Jesus has given you everything you need to do this. If you really want to know what really matters and if you really want to invest your life in a way that really matters, you choose to love right now. Don't choose to look at yourself, don't look at your circumstances, but say, God, how can I show your love to other people? How can I show your love to the people at work? How can I show your love to my neighbors? How can I show your love to those in my relational circle? How can I show your love in the church? And for each of us, it's going to be different. For some, like say we were talking about uh, the city pastors, for some it will be on the streets. For others it will be praying. For others it will be giving. There's so many different ways for us to show the love of Jesus in our world today. And God is empowering all of that because at the end, that's what really matters. That Jesus is exalted. The kingdom of God comes and our lives are lived to the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that as we worship you in this time together, you would help us to discern. Discern how to love you, discern how to honor you, and discern how to love others. I pray, Father God, that we would be known as a people who in Jesus Christ, whose love abounds more and more and more to your glory and praise. We thank you, we praise you, we honor you, and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.